1: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, it's Lainey. Hey, it's Joanna. And welcome to Show Your Work. We're back. Are you ready
1: for this jelly? Oh, my God. It's the fact that you, like, round out every consonant, I think, that (laughs) really…
0: All right. Before we get to the jelly, we are back after a break.
1: Yeah. um, I had a bit of a family emergency. Uh, Someone had a health issue. They're doing really well. Uh, So, we had to take a bit of an unscheduled break. Uh, You guys are basically family at this point, so you know that. But, you know, um, I guess in the silver lining package, I mean, I'm not saying I want any of that stuff to have happened, but we do get to come back to this particular podcast, which I think it's the most excited I've ever seen you on a Monday. On a Monday night, after a full day
0: of work. Yeah. I've been jacked up about this for days and to your point not that i want to like have had any of that happen in your family but if it hadn't have happened we would have recorded our podcast on friday which would have been 24 hours before <laughs> Bechella. no sorry which would have been 24 hours before Bechella, and uh we wouldn't be talking well we wouldn't be here doing a deep dive on Beyonce and the work that goes into being Beyonce culminating at the moment in Beachella. Because, of course, we know that Beyonce sets new peaks for herself all the time.
1: Well, I don't know. Like, to… I can't believe him, but to sort of… I feel like I'm in the Bare Naked Ladies if I have a million dollars. Like, maybe we would. We'd be trying to find a way to justify it a week after the fact because it's… This is one of those things that… I don't even think we debated this. Uh, You know, we've had a couple of special editions of Show Your Work, but I don't even think we discussed whether it warranted being the entire show. It just kind of became it. Yeah.
0: And, you know, we've had some requests for an entire show dedicated to Beyonce on Twitter. Thank you very much. Tracy, if you're out there, we've read
1: your tweets and uh, we agree. This should be an all Beyonce show. Eva said the same thing, Um, and, you know, not to be that person, but we are way ahead of you guys. Uh, But here's what was most confusing to me. So as I said, you know, there's been some stuff going on, so I've been a little out of the loop. I've been doing some some health stuff and some family stuff, and you said to me, oh, I've been waiting to talk about this all day. And I was kind of surprised because I'm out of the loop a little bit, but by that I mean, you know… I, I did not watch this at one thirty in the morning, but a whole, you know, seven to eight hours later, or whenever it came back up on the feed. Uh, but what have you been doing all day? How have you not been talking about this all day? Well,
0: I wrote about it. Yeah, but for some reason, it never came up at work today. Excuse me. I know. I I know. It just no no no. I I
1: like. I, we're not here to to drag your colleagues, some of whom are lovely people, and listen to this <laughs> podcast, but sorry, what? Well, again,
0: as you mentioned, 1.30 in the morning, and if you didn't stay up, well, it was actually, what, 2.15 in the morning. If you didn't stay up, you had to find the feed the next day. Um, a lot of people, not a lot of people, some people, some
1: people I worked with didn't want to be bothered. I mean, it wasn't hard. I know. I'm Like I said, I've watched it three times. How now? How did you manage that? Let's get into this a little bit because it took finding the YouTube feed and then timing back if you didn't watch it live, timing yeah. back to where it was because the YouTube feed from Coachella, the live feed, uh, if they are broadcasting live, has about a three-hour window. Yep, and then they broadcast, they rebroadcast their loop every now and again.
0: So I watched it back to back. So I watched it live then you could rewind it immediately, right? And it's not that hard. Like yeah, you're just the, scrolling back. Yeah. Exactly. So I watched it two times back to back. Then I went to bed. Then when I woke up, I watched it again because Sunday's Coachella lineup hadn't started yet, given the time difference, right?
1: Well, and also, uh, I'm just fully calling you out here. And because you uh, you practice sleep like it's a habit on Sundays, like you slept most of the day. Correct. Okay, I'm yeah. just I'm just getting that all in a row here.
0: But some people in my life or in work at work didn't do that and couldn't. Then by the time they wanted to, they couldn't find the feed to go back up again, and so some people missed it. Lots and lots and lots of people did not, like millions. No, of course. I mean, <laughs> but it just so happens that the people I had contact with today at work for whatever reason, a lot of them have children and just weren't able to make it happen on a Saturday night Sunday. Whatever, priorities. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I haven't really talked about it to anybody verbally. All I've done online is read and write about it and watch snippets of it. You know, people have snipped it on Twitter or whatnot. Um, But yeah, I've been dying to look you in the eye and talk to you and at you about this amazing thing.
1: So maybe we start with sort of the logistics of it, because um, as we are always fond of talking about, as you are fond of pointing out, when it's Beyonce, it can be however the hell she wants, right? So I'm not a huge scholar of like Greenwich Mean Time and global time zones, but basically, did she stop the world is my question. She acknowledged in uh, in her thank yous, in her goodbyes that, you know, people had gotten up in the middle of the night to watch it. Uh, on the East Coast, uh, people were up for 2 a.m. Uh, you know, that might have been sort of 7 a.m. in Britain. That's not that much of a hardship, maybe. Uh, like, basically, did she engineer this time slot on purpose?
0: I I don't know. Like, I'm not a Coachella expert, um, the Saturday headliner, um, is the headliner of the festival. Like it's the middle day of the three day festival over two weekends. So she was the Saturday
1: headliner and will be again next week. Yes.
0: I did go back today to look at the history of Coachella to see who headliners have been before, especially given that she made history as the first black woman. So I wanted to see who are the other women who've headlined before? There are very few of them. Who are the other acts that have headlined before? I didn't get a sense of what the timing is. So I'm not sure if 11 o'clock local on the West Coast is your standard Saturday night Coachella headlining time.
1: I bring this up partly because uh, the first time that you and I saw Beyonce together, uh, which was the Miss Carter tour… Um, was that the first time you saw Beyonce? Second. She, I believe… Or third, anyway. I believe that the tickets said, uh, Beyonce, nine o'clock. Yeah. The lights went down at 9.01. Correct. Like, it was prompt.
0: Which somebody said to me, because I wrote on Friday on the website that I was stressed out because I was supposed to be traveling in New York… And I wanted to get a nap in before turning on the live stream, so blah, I, blah, 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 blah. I can't
1: with you in your, like, prescribed <laughs> sleep, but that's a different story.
0: Okay. So, blah, 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 blah. And so, I was anxious about getting to it on time and what my connection speed was going to be if I was caught up in an airport, whatever, because of the weather that we've had. And somebody tweeted at me, you know, lovingly, and tweeted at me and said, don't worry, she's always late. And… I'm saying this lovingly, I get it, but if you know Beyonce, that is not her deal. Like, I'm sorry, I have to roll my eyes a little bit. In fact, her deal is
1: that she's on time. I've never experienced Beyonce being late. No. Uh, I think when we went to formation, she was maybe, maybe it started 12 minutes late. Which is on time. Which is on time. And that had to do with, like, I could still see people being loaded in, like, her audience was not yet ready for her. Yeah. Which is their error, not yeah. hers, you know? Like, um, Beyonce's
0: not going to give you the hour late kind of thing.
1: No, so, this is not Lauren Hill, yeah. where you know she's going to be three hours that's behind. Right.
0: And that's why people of the world had set their alarms like me. Lots of people were taking naps and were ready to go at 205 Eastern, 1105 Pacific, because there was not a chance that she was gonna, that you were going
1: to be sitting there for an hour. No, not not even remotely. uh and I you know, even watching on delay, even essentially waiting for it to come up through the antsiness of watching those people with their like jabber in between, you know, where they're yeah. supposed to fill time, I was just like, let's go. let's like I yeah. did feel anxiousness. and then I mean, what is most interesting to me is that what this is most like, of course, is it's most like. Uh, the the Lemonade broadcast. Remember when the Lemonade broadcast happened? We had a short amount of notice in terms of access and what we were going to do. I think I watched it on Periscope or something. God bless you, people of Periscope who streamed it. Uh, it was, you knew you were going to have a ride. You didn't know what was going to happen. Yep. Um, and that sort of was what
0: it looked like. Well, to go back to your original question, did she engineer it? Lemonade premiered on a Saturday night, Mm -hmm. like nine o'clock. Yeah. And people stayed home. Oh, yeah. So it's a weekend starting to get warm, especially North America. You know, you're ready to come out of hibernation. And I remember the think pieces afterwards were, this is what she did. Nobody went out. Nobody went to the fucking bar. Nobody went out for dinner. Everybody either invited people over to their place, made it a night in, um, and that was the event. So, again, going back to what you're saying, what she engineers and what she creates into a moment, there was lemonade. And was Coachella that? For sure. I don't know if she had a hand in choosing the time, like 11.05 p.m. Pacific, but I do know that she would have had full confidence that – millions and millions of people would have stayed up. In fact, she wrote a note. So she posted hours before Coachella. She was like, hey, Beehive, so excited to perform for you tonight. I just want to make sure you're, de- you're not dehydrated. You get your water in. It's going to be a great show, and I need you to bring the energy. Yes, she was sort of saying it to the people in the desert. For sure, it's been a long day for them. But she was also letting the people who were going to live streaming know. In fact, I feel like... She was doing it for the people, for the most part, Um, because the vast majority of the people who watched Beachella
1: were online. Oh, 100%. Yes. In, in, I would wager, unprecedented numbers, right? Like, this is going to be on top of everything else, on top of being the first black woman ever to headline Coachella, Mm -hmm. and on top of… You know, uh, the not even arguably, but on top of the best performance of her career, I would wager any money that it's going to be record-breaking YouTube numbers.
0: I agree with you. And I think, too, that apart from caring about our health, what she was saying in that note was, I have put together some motherfucking banana shit. If you miss it, too bad for you. But I'm giving you a warning. Like, I'm, I'm doing a favor.
1: Well, there's that for sure. And but I also without going too highbrow with it, I also just want to highlight uh when I say it's probably the biggest numbers for uh for the Coachella YouTube, for example, I just want to point out that when here's the overarching conversation that we're having here. Uh Beyonce is as uh as maligned as she is celebrated, right? For every time somebody is like, oh my God, the queen, whatever, there are people being like, yeah, but, or Where was it this? And I just want to present as kind of a thesis for our conversation without getting too nerdy about it, uh, that part of her brilliance, not all by any means, but part of her brilliance is that constant, marriage of being a commercial hit machine and doing things that are fucking new and innovative at the same time. And Beyonce is the person who can be both. And that's part of what makes her the woman we devote an entire podcast to. So let's get into it. Let's get into this
0: two-hour show that is being called the – her two-hour show, not ours (laughs) – um, that is being called the best of her career, and by many, the best of all time. There are people who are saying, Coachella will never see a performance like this again. Like, too bad for the person who does it, who headlines Coachella next year, because haha, you suck.
1: Um, <laughs> well, let's be real here. Like, I'm 10% licking my wounds, because uh, while Coachella for sure existed uh, 10 years ago when I was younger and cooler, it was not the destination that it is now. There was a lot more niche to it. Uh, and Coachella will never see somebody like this again, partly because uh, it, it it didn't used to be designed for this. It used to be a bit strummy la-la guitars and coolness. Yes, that's a great way of
0: putting it. Strummy la-la guitars and coolness. Yes. And yes and no, but for the most part, like how I, Yeah. I, I before the takeover of like the Paris Hiltons and the Lindsay Lowens would descend on Coachella, it was very strummy, la la guitars and coolness.
1: It was a bit indie, and like yeah. that has faded away in terms of uh, in favor of bigger and bigger acts. As a, as a number of music festivals have sort of been the marriage of art and commerce, I guess. Yeah, but uh, but it's it was not like this then. Uh, to draw an imperfect parallel. Destiny's Child would not have headlined Coachella a decade or two ago.
0: No, Destiny's Child would not have headlined Coachella. And yet, Beyoncé at Coachella shaded Coachella for, even though, you know, she was being given this honor as the first black woman to headline Coachella in 19 years, um, there were other candidates. Like, Coachella began in 1999... And there was an album that was released that means a lot to many of you out there. And that means a lot to you and me, Duanna. And you know exactly which album I'm talking about. The year before Coachella began Mm -hmm. in 1998. Uh And we celebrate the 20th anniversary of this album this August. Oh my God, yeah. It is the miseducation of Lauryn Hill. Ms. Lauryn Hill was building, like that album was, you know, making its way and if you want to fucking talk about who should have before Beyonce, and I think even Beyonce would concede, Lauren Hill should have headlined Coachella a long time
1: ago. I mean, look, Lauren Hill is so important to me that she is one of the first pieces I remember writing for Lainey Gossip. Um, it, it, we go way back. We go like, <laughs> don't make me go how far back I go with Lauren yeah. Hill. It's spoiler 1994 google it um but but Lauren Hill in Fairness was made to be listened to in your Discman a bit it was an intimacy it was not the it was not the 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 show that this is and Coachella was not the show mm-hmm. that this is back yeah. then so you know those have have evolved arm in arm uh like I both agree with you and yeah. see the reasons why that was not the thing at the time, even though if we go back and say, was that the most important album of that year, of that era? For us, sure. Maybe yep. for her, maybe for Beyonce, who was just beginning yep. her career at that point. That probably would have been a seminal album for Oh Beyonce. my God,
0: sure. Um, but anyway, to go back to Coachella and its history and has Beyonce changed Coachella forever… I, you know, I would think that, and many people have been talking about this for the last few days now, I would think that she set a standard at Coachella that may not be met again for a long, long time.
1: Right. And here's why. Because there will be and are other artists who are as beloved. There will be and are other artists whose music is as important to to fans, right? And as as even as defining of a year or an era, let's say. But there isn't somebody whose music is as important who is a show person like Beyonce. This is the part that to me comes first. Not most importantly, but first, is that this was a show. The Formation Tour was a production marvel and wondering how it was going to Uh, bring Lemonade to us in person in the stadium was amazing and and exciting to see what they'd done with technology and so forth. It is child's play in a way compared to the production that happened on the Coachella stage on a stage that, again, is not made for this. Like whoever was on right before her was a person with a guitar. Yeah, you're right. It was Haim. So Mm -hmm. like
0: sisters with guitars. Um, and then there's an hour break, and then they build her stage, and then she's ready to
1: go. So Yeah, and Haim is cute and all, but whatever. Yeah. First of all, to load in that stage in an hour. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think something you and I talked about that maybe we didn't talk about in depth is how deeply theater geek and production geek I'm going to get about this whole thing. The moment when you first see the stage, after you have met The majorette at the beginning, after you have met the dancers in the uh, King Tutankhamun costumes, a shout out to the Egyptian heritage, uh, and you find the stage and the reveal of the giant lighting grid moving up to reveal the stands on which the entire band is placed where they're going to be, fucking given her for the next two and a half hours, that lighting grid is... Art as well as function. Oh, yeah. Right? Like it's lights that are meant to light her, mm-hmm. but they're also in that pyramid shape and they are designed to move and they have a ballet of their own. And that's in the first four seconds. Yep. I I spent, I would say I probably spent the first, I don't know, 13, 14 minutes just taking in the production. Yeah just taking in the coordination of um of the band. Uh marching bands are obviously trained in in coordinated movements and in choreographed movements and you know, everybody should go and re-watch drumline. But the syncopated rhythms that Beyonce is known for, like that she built her career on, that's a whole new deal. That no one band member was a little dorky and a little off rhythm that they all assumed their roles is massive. And that's only a small part. Like, I almost get a bit overwhelmed trying to catalog all of the moving parts in the moving parts. Yep. And it's outside. It's outside in the elements. Yep. Uh, Audio... Okay, so look. So there's arranging. The Even more than formation, even more than a concert, this was like a two and a half hour medley. One song flowed into another Mm -hmm. song, flowed into another song. Somebody had to write all of that. Somebody wrote a piece of music that never stops. There's no beginning and end Mm -hmm. that went on. I'm making gestures like a big accordion music page of notation that keeps folding and folding and flops over on the floor. Somebody had to... Create that behemoth of a Bible of a setlist. She had to come up with it, and then somebody had to write the trombone part yeah. for two and a half hours, the like trumpet part for two and a half hours, the backup vocals. I the amount of work. <laughs> First time we said it in the podcast. <laughs> the amount of work, the
0: layers upon layers of work in those transitions, in the arrangements. I yes. To your point, the arrangements come first. She decides how she wants to sing that particular song, how she wants to, like, what interpretation she wants to do from it. And then, yeah, it gets sewn together. Um, And then after it gets sewn together, each instrument has to find its place
1: in that tapestry. And even before that, you know, you say she decides what she wants to to present from that song. You'll notice... Not one of those songs was on autopilot. Not one of the tunes that you know was sung in the way that you remember it from the album or the music video. It's funny uh, that we were talking about Lauryn Hill because uh, on her one of her most recent tours, Lauryn Hill did a real reimagining of some of the songs from Miseducation of Lauryn Hill. And it was really disconcerting to some people but if you listen to the orchestrations, to the evolution, you would find the song that you remembered. Uh, and Beyoncé's are a lot more familiar, but there's elements of that here. And there's some that I that I think we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. Musically, it's a behemoth. Oh, it's a gargantuan task. And I think before we go forward, I have to bring up, uh, it would not be any podcast podcast if I didn't mention this book, but of all the days, I'm going to mention it. um, The book Becoming Beyonce, The Untold Story uh, by J. Randy Taraborelli, it's a bit embarrassing that it's become, I don't want to say it's my Bible. that's That's overstating it a bit. Do I reread it every two to three months? I do. And what gets lost, and what I love about the book, and what gets lost when we talk about Beyonce, who is beautiful, and Beyonce, who is like a a mythic pop culture figure and an icon with her pregnant belly, is that she's a musical genius, and she has been from about the age of 15 or 16, Mm -hmm. and specifically in layering sounds, specifically in hearing difference. There are quotes in the book where, you know, she will lay down 12 identical tracks that she herself sings and then goes, you know what, track seven is not great. That's, most people can't do that. Mm -hmm. Um, So she has an incredible musical ear that lends itself to this kind of live performance. Live! It was live! This is not, like, there's not pre-tapes. And my next musical geekdom before I let you say something is that you can tell that she is singing Live the vast majority of the time. Correct. So that's about where I was, I don't know, 15 minutes in. You, I know you, you were just bouncing up and down in your bed.
0: Well, li- listen, I've had the luxury of seeing it three times. And you do need, I think, you do need to see it multiple times because there's so much shit going on. Oh, I've watched it twice
1: uh, in the interim, but yeah. yeah.
0: the first time you don't take your eyes off her because right. she's Beyonce The second time is when you begin to appreciate everybody else and you look at the moving parts. And the third time, for me anyway, it all comes together. So to your point about the musical genius, she's not the first. To your point about the musical genius, there are people deep within the industry who've worked with her who will say that she is a musical genius. I wrote that in the post I wrote today um, about perhaps maybe – the most underrated part of her Beyonceness is her musical geniusness. Um, no ID, who produced Jay-Z's album, 444, actually said that, that she consulted on the album that nothing went to whatever, print? <laughs> nothing went out without her seal of approval, that she would come in, she would be like, nah, or yeah, and he was like,
1: she is genius level at understanding music. And music. That's not performance. That's yeah, not image. It's music. That's not like even but that's not even singing. Like I'm talking yeah. about like nerdy, boring stuff like key signatures and and yes. syncopated rhythms and things. That's Beyonce right. is incredibly underrated for her raw mm-hmm. musical talent.
0: And what's ironic about this is in doing my homework for the podcast today, I do remember that. Over the years, one of the criticisms, and I put criticisms in air quotes, if you could see me, I'd be air quoting it. One of the criticisms of Beyonce is that there are many songs of hers where there will be 11 songwriters listed, Mm -hmm. 13 songwriters listed. And so for the haters out there or the non-believers or… The people who just kind of want to undermine her and say, she's so overrated and I don't understand why this, not the other. All of her songs, she claims to be the the writer, but there are like 12 other people helping her and this, not the other. Those people actually
1: don't understand how music comes together. Well, let's have a five second remedial class. Beyonce is mostly known to receive instrumental tracks that are written by other artists listen to them, select the ones she likes, and then write a melody and lyrics. Um, so that's where you're getting, if three dudes compose the the instrumental track that you hear, that's three names right there. And, you know, then there's subsequent additions. On Bootylicious, for example, there's kind of a call out in, the, in part of the song, like, move your body up and what? Like that, yeah. that what? That was Matthew Knowles who suggested that in the studio and I think kind of annoyed uh, the girls in Destiny's Child. But it lived, it worked, and Matthew Knowles gets songwriting credit on that because he suggested they say what at the end of every line. Right. So it's not that she has so much help. It's that it doesn't always take much to get a songwriting credit on a song.
0: Well, the thing is, do you know who else has 13, like, Co-writers on a song? Everyone. Everyone. Uptown Funk. Right, 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 right. Sure. 13 people or I'm, listen, we'll check this later, but I'm pretty sure that there are 13 credited songwriters on Uptown Funk. But that doesn't make headlines or that doesn't get the same amount of snarly play that a Beyonce song with 12 other songwriters gets. And it is in particular, and Beyoncé's not the only one who gets targeted with this. Taylor Swift does too, which is why, you know, she did the thing where she wrote the fake, the song, and she, like, gave herself a Swedish name because...
1: Yeah, but I'm already exhausted of that story. (laughs) I know what you're talking about, and I don't want to cut it off from our listeners, but it's the trying so hard to prove something. Like, what are you trying so hard to... Like, so what? Well... And that's the thing, Beyonce
0: has never played that game. And what I appreciate about that, and I kind of realized it today, or at least really came to appreciate it to its full scope today, is to quote somebody who said this to you, what does it cost her
1: to share credits? Yeah, it's an excellent point. What does it cost her? What does it cost her? It costs her nothing to say, hey, I found an amazing song. I'm going to put some lyrics on it. Or I found an amazing song. I'm going to sing it. You know, I um, I always think about the the Destiny's Child version of Emotions. Yeah. Which is not a Destiny's Child song at all, but it's the version that is resonant in my mind. Yep. Uh It it doesn't take anything away from that performance that it's a cover. No, it costs her nothing because she has so much more to give and because, okay, we marked the time that we said, we marked the first time on the podcast we talked about work. Now I'm going to mark the first time that we say that Beyonce is 36 years old. (laughs) Yeah. It's worse for me than you. Is it though? Yeah. Yeah. I just think about the fact that this epic this opus um a two and a half hour live spectacular uh there are no words to use to describe this they're not super extra um is just what she's done for us lately it's kind of amazing um so we've established so we've
0: established that she's a musical genius
1: Yeah, I think that's fair and also under-acknowledged, but yes. And whether or not you out there want to acknowledge this, it is fact. Right, (laughs) but watching this, uh, watching, as you watch the performance go flow from the third song to the fifth to the ninth, you go... Oh, the the volume of the work here. Yeah. That was one of the first things that struck me.
0: And the little Jay-Z. Da, 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 da,
1: right? Sure. In the, just
0: randomly in the middle of a song, but it goes and the big band plays it so
1: well. Yeah, because they've been rehearsed down to the fucking nine. <laughs> Nobody was going to fuck this up. Oh, no. Um, what was the next thing for you? What was the next big moment, the big revelation?
0: Well, as I was watching it, I was thinking about all the rumors and the gossip that had come out before the show. So there were reports that she hired like 100 extra dancers 10 days out. Um, There were reports that she had started rehearsing, I don't know, fucking 14 hour days or this and that. And this was about 10 days out, two weeks out. And I was watching and I was like, you don't know what you're talking about. Whatever you're reporting that she was rehearsing two weeks out or started re- or started rehearsing two weeks out and hired a hundred dancers two weeks out, I was like, uh, this doesn't happen in two weeks. At minimum, the in-warehouse, in-studio, all that camera work is happening at minimum a month
1: out. Now, what I do believe is that two weeks out, if she hires a hundred extra dancers, two weeks out they change the choreography because it's not working, and they everybody rehearses a new number, or they need twice the dancers, and they all have to learn two and a half hours worth of choreography in a week's time. I buy that. That happens. That's showbiz, right? You add, you change, and the show must go on so people deal with it. I can buy that. But no, it's not like this was slapped together in two and a half weeks' time. That's preposterous. Preposterous. So… In order to make that happen, where you
0: are renting out a space um, and you have this many people who you can see, we can see, which means that there's, like, I don't know, dozens more people behind the scenes that aren't seen. Yep. Then, because these people are coming to work, right, nine to five or let's, whatever. Nine to nine, let's say. Nine to nine. Mandated dinner break, yeah. They're getting paid. Yep. And then remember, they're also performing at Coachella, so they have to have somewhere to stay. I mean, we're really drilling down on the nitty gritty
1: of what the expenses are going to be. I kept thinking about the pants. The pants. Those rubber looking yes. pants on the band. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yep. The band who, you know, all... I've never had the pleasure of being in a marching band, but maybe in a future life. Um <laughs> But I think one of the real facets of being in a marching band is any weather, any whatever, mm-hmm. right? That said, we're talking about the desert, like 100 degree California, even though it cools off at night. I'm thinking about the, them dancing for two and a half hours while playing in those rubber pants mm-hmm. and going, they had to test those early enough to see that nobody was going to pass out. Yep. That no tuba players. Uh-huh. We're going to get overheated in their sweats and rubber pants and pass the fuck out on the middle of the bleachers. Or they
0: had to be so used to it by the time that it became a skin for them.
1: Yeah, but either way, that means three weeks of rehearsals in rubber pants. That's what that means. Either way. Yeah. Because if you got to change the fucking uniform for all of them, you need, I don't know, minimum eight days to turn around… Uh, 200 pairs of rubber pants. I'm just going to keep saying rubber pants. To
0: say nothing of the expense of the rubber pants, I'll keep saying rubber pants too. Please. So, that's that's she's, that's she's bought the costuming, she's testing out the rubber pants, the the facilities have to be rented, the hourly wages have to be paid, the accommodations have to be paid. You have to build all that shit in your
1: warehouse, you by the way. You have to build
0: the shit. You have to the equipment, like you're using state of the art, the best fucking cameras out there, right? Cranes, uh, like, whatever jib, whatever, all that mechanical tech. I don't think she made any fucking money from this. Oh, who cares? No, no, and that's the point. Like, you know, she's not there to profit. No. She's actually, Parkwood probably paid out of pocket over and above. I'm actually thinking that she lost Again,
1: I'm using air quotes, lost money on this. All right, let's do, let's check, because I know you like your homework checked when you do your homework. Let's say Beyonce gets what? Uh, 30%? I don't know what the take is on something like that.
0: Last year, before she canceled, the
1: rumor was that she was getting paid a million dollars. All right, great. So, let's say a million dollars is not a drop in the bucket for that performance. This is you and I getting to be… Uh, a bit TV nerdy. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't begin to cover the money we saw on the screen, let alone the salaries for the 500, 600 person production team, including all the performers and dancers and whatever. You're telling me. Yes. I'm telling you. Yes. I, I exactly. I mean, yes. Yes. We're here. We're agreed. So, yeah, she did this not for the money, which is fine because Beyonce didn't need money. No.
0: But, but here we are.
1: But it's perfect. It
0: is fucking perfect. Actually, I want to thank a reader called Margaret who sent us this Instagram. It's an Instagram from um, a, a, a camera person who worked on the show. Oh, good This one. is
1: good. You're going to love it. Except is it? Because I don't want this person to lose their job. No, he posted it on Instagram. It's safe? He's allowed? Okay. He's, it's, a, it's
0: not even a private account. So I'll post it with the show notes tomorrow. Um, and so he, this is what he writes. It's a little bit long, but it's delicious. Okay. Ready? Your boy has been working with Beyonce for the past six weeks straight. That's how he said it. your boy. So, okay. So your boy has been working with Beyonce for the past six weeks straight. So to our point to about like how this doesn't fucking come together and get slapped together in two weeks, literally maybe five days total off. 10 hours a day preparing for Coachella. Working with her has been so monumental. She's the illest boss I've ever had. What a powerful woman. This picture is from rehearsals. I'm showing you right now, Duanna. So he is behind her on top of the scaffold, right? She
1: looks like the image of the queen that you've seen. Uh, She's in her sweatshirt with her uh, Beyonce Delta Kappa logo uh and he's rising behind her like some sort of specter over her shoulder yes doing his work and he's holding on
0: to a camera that looks like a steering wheel for a car so imagine it's a but a square steering wheel and the camera's in the middle of that steering wheel so i i mean i don't know what the technical term is but in you know in the building i would work in it's like a mix between a steady cam right yeah it's kind of a steady but like the most sophisticated steady cam
1: yeah, what you're describing without looking at the Instagram over your shoulder sounds like a a, a Steadicam drone hybrid. Yeah, it's like a like a, a camera mounted in a trampoline wheel. Yeah. That's amazing. It's amazing. So if you know the name of this camera, get at us. Oh, uh, he tells you. Oh, go on, okay. please. This picture is from rehearsals.
0: I'm above her shooting with the Free Fly Systems Movi Pro and the Alexa Mini. Sending a wireless video feed to the projectors. Everything you see in the live stream or on the video wall of her going from one stage to the other or down the pyramid is my camera. This shit gets really heavy after running it an entire show. My body is dead, LOL. There's so much I want to express, but I'm too tired to do it. I'll keep posting some shit. Thank you, Beyonce and the others who've paved the way. Um, I have no words, just hard work as fuck and everything is possible. (laughs) <laughs> like first of all, thank you Ben. That's his name. You're like you gave us some real porn here again. Um but he's talking about 6 weeks straight. He got a total of 5 days off during that 6 weeks. Um he's telling us what equipment he used, which looks like it's the motherfucking best equipment. And he was only one of how
1: many cameras do you think Doana? I would say no I'm gonna be conservative and say not more than twenty five. Cause mm-hmm. then they get in our way. Right. Yeah. Like you you need to be because we never see them. Yeah. Like sometimes if you're watching the Grammys or uh even the Oscars sometimes, sometimes you see a camera guy like scooting out of the way when they yeah. cut to a wide shot. That's okay, that's life. That's live production. It happens. You know where it doesn't happen? On Beyonce's fucking show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. Yes. On
0: Beyonce's fucking show where each shot has actually been timed. So when you see a close up of her ass, remember that close up on her ass where she's wearing the jean shorts and she's like. And they're like slit to the pocket. Correct. Yes. That was, hey, at the two minute 32 second mark where I hit the I hit the note in Crazy in Love or Formation and I sing whatever Um, you zoom on my ass. And then five seconds later, the it's
1: almost like following a playbook. Well, Whoever it like was a, calling the shots, they were following a playbook that she wanted. But I'm going to actually like one-up you here. That's not just a playbook of her going, maybe do my ass now, maybe whatever. That's storyboarded. Because Beyonce said, I had these two magical beings in my belly that allowed me to dream this up. And because she's Beyonce... She literally thought about it down to the shot. A storyboard, if you don't know, is the drawing that tells everybody what shot you want. We're going to go from the wide to the, what you called, the breaststroke that I'm yep. trying to to do right now, and then cut to the ass shot. Yep. Those are storyboarded. There is a, a visual story on paper for mm-hmm. everyone to follow. Yep. Is that super normal for a concert? No. <laughs> but who are we talking about here? Correct. So, at this point, to me watching, again, this is me narrating my experience, at this point, I recognize as tired as, as what was his name? Ben. Ben. As tired as Ben is… <laughs> Ben is concentrating really hard on his work and he's the best at his job or he wouldn't be there. But you know what Ben's not doing? Worrying about what his face looks like. Mm -hmm. Worrying about how sharp his arms are. Yeah. Ben is not also trying to keep his boob inside of his costume. Yeah. Beyonce is on camera for two and a half hours of of incessant movement to the point where I think… I could dictate by names the time when she is not on stage or Mm -hmm. dancing her face off. Yeah. Um, And there's like three, Uh, you know, and there were times when I would note that she gave herself a minute to breathe when she is kind of harassing the pledges or when she changes, you know, outfits or whatever, but they're few and far between. If you wonder why I'm reading this book by a random unauthorized biographer that I think was secretly authorized, but we'll get to that later. If you want to know why I read this over and over and over, it's because it sets the stage for this performance as far back as that. Matthew Knowles, when he was training Destiny's Child or Girl's Time or any of the other names they had before they were (laughs) Destiny's Child and then Beyonce, among the things he would do He made them jog while singing. Have you ever jogged? It's hard. Have you ever sung for like more than five minutes? Joanna, I went for a jog today. Yeah. And and I cannot do anything but jog. Yeah, I know. That's why I don't work out with you. You're infuriating. (laughs) You don't talk. I can't talk. Well, I I don't know how she does it. But I'll tell you how she does it. She's been conditioning her fucking lungs since she was 11 years old. Singing While standing still, if you're doing it properly, and she is, and she was singing live because you can hear her moments and her breaths and things, you know she was singing live, is incredibly taxing. But she has been training for this level of stamina for… Her whole life. Her whole life. Life like to say 20 years would be shaving a good six years off it. Let's let's call it 25 years. She's mm-hmm. been training for this. There's a great story about how one time she the only time she got to see her boyfriend is when he and his buddy biked after Destiny's Child somewhere up in the woods where Matthew Knowles had them jogging and singing and brought them Gatorades, like, and that was their date, right? He brought them Gatorades while they performed. She has been training for this working for this her entire life. And the book is full of all of the anecdotes of the real specifics of the work and the real specifics of how the work adds up to this. I know one of your favorite things to focus on is that Beyonce watches tape like an athlete. She watches tape back almost immediately. Um, And those are habits that start... They, talk, they lost Star Search as 10-year-olds and they were sobbing in the hotel room and their management was watching the tape back with them going, look, you missed that dance step. Look at you. You turned around there. Beyonce, what were you doing? The habits start incredibly early. Are they healthy? I don't know. Is, is that the way you want a childhood to go? I don't know. But if you want to know, like, what does it take to build a Beyonce? That's what it takes. That's why I find this book so Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
0: So it's what does it take to build a Beyonce from the beginning and then what she does with it now that she's in full control, right? So you're talking about how she has this stamina and this stamina has been something that she has had or has, has been an ongoing asset that she has over and above other people because she started so early. Has honed all this time. Exactly. seen as a requirement Mm -hmm. and has honed. And then how does she, though, now, in the greatest performance of her career, knowing that she has this asset, she still has to apply it judiciously. And what I love is your point before we started recording, you took note of the places where she would take and catch a breath. Right. And one such spot was during like a moment that everybody else was like freaking out about and she used that freak out.
1: Well, you explain it as a diversion. Yeah. Um, You know, when I was spoiled uh, for the fact that Destiny's Child was going to show up, that Kelly and Michelle were going to show up, and you know, as you pointed out, I think you pointed out on the blog today, like the silhouette of the three of them coming out in that iconic independent women, Charlie's Angel style, that's also not Coachella. That's not, that's also not Strummy La La guitar yeah. tool. Like that's all Beyonce. Um, it also gives her a second to catch her breath. Um, she, when they come out during Soldier, yeah, you'll notice it's I think if Michelle sings first and then Kelly sings first and everybody's losing it because they get their moment in the sun and they get to sing and have their moment. Beyonce's breathing. She is getting it back. She is gasping it back and waiting for what's going to be her grand finale, which was supposed to be her like busting it beside Solange, right? And was and was, but I think she she gave it slightly less than she might have if she didn't think her top was going to fall off. Yes. Which I, I didn't which, think it was going to fall off.
0: Well, I mean, whatever. It's not going to fucking fall off next week. <laughs> By next week, that shit will be taken care of. But I do I do want to go back to that point because you're so smart to point that out in the sense of, you know, yes, the two benefits of doing it that way where Kelly and Michelle come out and Kelly's in the middle at points and Michelle's in the middle at points, it's, yes, Beyonce is gracious, and she's like, hey, I'm going to bring my girls out, and they get to stand in the middle too, but while they're standing in the middle, I am taking a mini break. No one else sees this as a break,
1: P.S. Like, (laughs) No, she's still on stage and aware of her face at all times, but she is conserving her energy. Correct. The other thing I love about that moment, I have to say, which is a totally different conversation, but one that really rings true for you and I is that immediately before Destiny's Child shows up, which I believe was a surprise for everyone watching, uh, the quotes that were being read as part of the show were talking about how women are pitted against each other, that women are told that they can't, that they have to compete with one another, usually for men. That was the stage that was set And then she brings out Destiny's Child and goes, see, that's not us. Mm -hmm. See, we still take care of each other after all this time. See, even though I am me, even though I am currently actually in the act of making history, I have time, I can spread the love, I can share it to my people. And I've decided to do it
0: in a moment in the show where I need a breather. It's... (laughs) Listen. Layers upon layers of intelligence and strategy and work and beyonce We
1: don't throw around the word genius. Like it's, I'm not trying to be bold about it, but I think this is warranted. It's 100% warranted. Um, share
0: your anecdote that you read in this book too about, speaking of sharing and competition, about when Beyonce wrote Bootylicious and how she decided who would perform it.
1: Well, it's really interesting. Uh the as as Beyonce got more control, she was the um she would be the writer, but often the record label or her father, depending on who you ask, <laughs> um wanted her as the lead on on many of the tracks. As she got kind of older and was a hit machine, she got to do whatever she wanted. Um and so for bootylicious, for example, she wrote the entire song, laid down all of the tracks so they knew exactly how the song was going to be. It was basically a completed song and then stripped herself out of the lead and had Kelly Rowland sing it and, you know, then had Michelle Williams sing, I think, The Bridge and whatever. But she's able to do that because she has laid the foundation for how they're going to sing, what it's going to be. She's not leaving them to flounder. She's using the, like, substantial musical gifts she has to set the stage and then gets to give them the glory. Uh, But it was one of those things that they talked about. We all got to sing lead on Survivor on that album, which prior to that had not been as achievable, which is really interesting. That was really important to her.
0: Yeah, I I really love knowing – and reassessing these building blocks of her career because Bichella was 20 years in the making. Easily. Right? So you have, Bichella couldn't have happened, for example, which she, she puts in the show, like part of the show was a retrospective, a presentation of how Beyonce came to be, which is why Jay was there, which is why uh, Kelly and Michelle were there. It was a nod to her I hate this, and we're all sick of talking about things in terms of journeys, but it is part of the Beyonce journey, that 20-year… I mean, we're in 2018, in 1998 was about the time that Destiny's Child… Broke
1: so, through, yeah. Right?
0: We're about 20 years in, and this has been building for 20 years, and she has had a plan for it all along. Um which I don't know that in 2004, for example, we would have been able to, to recognize it. But now that we look back and now that you're reading this book or you read it over and over again and we're picking up on the, all the steps that it takes to become Beyonce, this book is what called Becoming Beyonce,
1: all of that factors into what we saw on Saturday night. Well, it's so interesting that you say that because that's in the book too. There are numerous instances of people saying, oh, she's in it for the long haul, isn't she? Like, you may not have seen it in 2004 that she was going to be there for the the long haul, Mm -hmm. but that was always her plan and it was always her parents' plan. And actually, one of the reasons she was able to achieve it is because they built it into their Destiny's Child plan. This is not somewhere I ever expected to be, but when they, when each of the members of Destiny's Child went and did their solo albums, yeah. that was built into the plan. Hey, after the third album, we're going to break them each out into their own uh solo world so that it doesn't feel like it's Beyonce moving on and ditching the other two, but, you know, the spreading three ways. So I really like that philosophy. Speaking of, we've talked so much about Beyonce and we have yet to get to, uh, the philosophy of the show, some of the imagery and the, the messages that were sent. And these are maybe some of the things that, as you point out, only really begin to sink in on the second viewing on the third viewing, which were most important to you.
0: Well, for me, I take it as an overall confirmation that this was a grand master plan. As I was watching the show, I can't remember if it was the first, second, or third viewing. I, <laughs> I said to myself, I made a note, and I said, go back and reread Beyonce GQ 2013, which is pretty much the last real print interview, the last real interview, really, that she's given, um, that she gave. Since then, as we know, Beyonce has vaulted herself. She does not speak. She speaks on stage and she speaks through her music, but Beyonce doesn't talk to the public anymore in that way, or at least she doesn't talk to the media. She doesn't need to. So in 2013, she was doing this GQ interview. She was just about to headline the Super Bowl the first time in New Orleans. Remember when the power shut down? She like took it all. Um, and she was just about to launch that <laughs> that HBO self-documentary, which, <laughs> <but a dream. laughs> yes. which she produced and directed and wrote and starred in of about herself. Um, so yes, we can talk about like whether or not the realness of that, but I just want to set the stage. And so after that, again, no more talking. And so given what we know now about Beyonce and what we've seen her go through and what we've seen, what we've seen her give us, I went back and read it today and I, I, there are two quotes that jump out at me. It's an extensive interview for, by her standards. Um, but when she talks about the decision to sever her business relationship with her father, which happened two years before in 2011, she says, you know, equality is a myth. And for some reason, everyone accepts the fact that women don't make as much money as men do. I don't understand that. Why do we have to take a back seat? I truly believe that women should be financially independent from their men. And let's face it, money gives men the power to run the show. It gives men the power to define value. They define what's sexy and men define what's feminine. It's ridiculous. This is in 2013. I'm not saying she invented feminism and the equal pay argument. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that that conversation only really got loud in the last couple of years. Loud, I mean. You're saying she was on trend or ahead of the trend? Ahead of the trend. The Sony hack would happen when the Jennifer Lawrence news came out about how she wasn't paid on par with Jeremy Renner and Bradley Cooper on American Hustle. That happened over a year later. I'm not saying, everybody calm down. I'm not saying she invented the equal pay argument. I'm just saying that in 2011 to 2013 it wasn't safe for women to be speaking openly like this and women of her stature to be out there so loud about it she was saying this in a way that i think i don't know
1: that we have given her enough credit for you know what's so interesting is that i am less i'm less inclined to give her credit for talking uh, about feminism in that way and about power in that way and and sort of, you know, that that moves me less until you remember she's talking about her father. Mm-hmm. Her father who, again, read this book, is the reason that her career is where she is. Her father who, for whatever professional conflicts they had, and there have been many, is still commemorated throughout her art. She is a master not only at sort of uh, being decisive about claiming her power in the monetary way, as you outline, but in separating the art and commerce. Again, we've talked about art and commerce the whole way through the marriage, the removal. She was able to remove him from her commerce, from her business. And still maintain a, an artistic presence or an artistic relationship of the father figure without worrying about who Matthew Knowles was in her business. That's, a lot of people would just walk away and not touch the subject again. Uh, but that's layered and nuanced and interesting to me.
0: Well, and I just want to set the time again because do you remember Patricia Arquette going up on the Oscar stage winning Best Supporting Actress for Boyhood? Yeah, 2016, 2015. Yeah. So, and the reaction, right? Meryl Streep's fist pumping, and J Lo sitting beside her, fist pumping, and everyone is talking about it the next day. Patricia Arquette, yes, she's bringing it to the forefront. That was two years later.
1: Yeah. Um. So and even then, to your point, it wouldn't gain real steam. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't gain real steam until things got ugly. Let's let's be real.
0: Yeah. But she was using this language. Yes. Yeah for sure. She was using a language that has seemed almost I don't want to like I don't want to say pedestrian because it shouldn't be pedestrian it's still urgent, it's obviously very urgent. There's so much tension behind it, but she's using language that we are hearing in everyday
1: speak now. Well, she put her money where her mouth is. Uh, she put her ass where her mouth is. Um, you know, when she stood up in front of the feminist sign at where was that the VMAs? Right in in 2014 says here. That's indelible. That's not just saying it in an article. Yeah. That's marrying yourself to the word and the mo- and the movement. Uh, in an in an archive that, as you know, because you love to talk about the Beyonce archive, will be there forever. Yep. Yeah. And to go
0: on in this GQ article to pull out things that resonate now, five years later, after, you know, she talks about the control and the money and, and being independent, she goes on to say, you know, when I was writing the Destiny's Child songs, it was a big thing to be that young and taking control. And the label at the time didn't know that we were going to be that successful, so they gave us all control. And I got used to it. It is my goal in life to be that example. And I think it will hopefully trickle down and more artists will see that because it only makes sense. It's only fair. So from there, I'm relating it to what we've seen not only from Beyonce at Bichella, but throughout formation where she has, and we only find out about it later, used her power to uplift other women, other creatives, particularly women of color, um, We saw people of color primarily featured on that stage. I mean, there were a few um, white faces on that stage here and there. Or who present as white, right? Like we don't know the exactly. Um, We know that she has worked with young songwriters in, you know, using sample songs and have like, she's kickstarted their careers. These are young men and women of color. She uses black female directors for her videos. I am sure that when we hear more names coming out of Bichella and in, uh, involved in the production, we will see across the board creatives who are, you know, the beneficiary of this trickle down example that she's talking
1: about. And that she's brave enough to engage in. Right. Um, of all the kind of things and thoughts that came out of the performance and that people are still talking about, uh, what was most interesting to me was actually uh, from Beyoncé's own mother. So, uh, in all of her discussions about strong women in the book, again, guys, like I'm not getting a cut of this book, but read it; it's so delicious. She always talks about how her mother taught her to be a strong woman, and etc. But um, so her mother, Tina Lawson, wrote something so interesting on her Instagram that I really loved. So she's reacting to a quote. So stay with me. We got to do a quote within a quote here. Uh, Alicia Adamson Prophet writes about uh, Beachella. She took us to Wakanda Church. A HBCU classic battle of the bands, the ultimate probate step show, and more. She had an orchestra, a full band, a drum line, a choir, and a bazillion dancers. She is the first black female to headline Coachella, and she killed it. The name has officially been changed to be Chella. That stage will never be the same. It was magical. So no argument there. And this is what her mother wrote. Saw this written above and thought I would share it with you. I told Beyonce that I was afraid that the predominantly white audience at Coachella would be confused by all the black culture and black college culture because it was something they might not get. Her brave response to me made me feel a bit selfish and ashamed. She said, I've worked very hard to get to the point where I have a true voice. And at this point in my life and my career, I have a responsibility to do what's best for the world and not what is most popular. She said her hope is that after the show, young people would research this culture and see how cool it is, and young people, black and white, would listen to Lift Every Voice and Sing, and see how amazing the words are for all of us, and bridge the gap. She also hopes it will encourage young kids to enroll in our amazing, historically black colleges and universities. I stand corrected. Ugh. Ugh. Like, I just want to, we'll break this down and talk about it in lots of ways, and there's lots here, but can we just talk about somebody's mother saying publicly that they were wrong and their kid was right? When do you see that? Well, we don't have mothers who do that. (laughs) No, but my understanding is that Tina Knowles is also not a mother who does do that. Like, this is a moment. That's Uh a, she says, like, I was wrong. She says I was schooled by my child. I, I've read this over and over and I like it so much. Uh, I'm a broken record saying that Beyonce's family and her parents have been what got her here and they've been with her every step of the way, but that they could know her power and her strength and still be like, I don't know, this might be too far. This might be too much. It might not work. And she goes, ah, I, I got to make it work. I have a responsibility to make it work. I am I am floored by this.
0: I I don't know what else I can say. I, I am floored by it too. And I think that like all of that in watching that performance was what she did. And yet when you use the words responsibility to show people, typically the sense you get is, oh, but it won't be fun. <laughs> and somehow it was also fun. More fun than responsible Very responsible, so fun, like right. Do you you get
1: what I'm saying? Oh uh, yeah, you're saying that that the impression that you get maybe being told what it was you're gonna see feels like vegetables. Medicine doesn't taste good, right? But it's not like I guess that's the that's the I hate to say lesson, even right. But that's the thing is like here, welcome into this culture of great joy and music that you didn't know about here's all the ways I'm going to show it to you. You're so lucky that I'm showing you this awesomeness. Yeah. Not I am lecturing you and taking you to school because you should know by now.
0: Yeah. And yet what you've just said relates to perhaps the most powerful quote in this GQ 13 article, which again was her last real interview and There are a lot of people who think that this wasn't by design, that, you know, Beyonce maybe was thinking about pulling back from the media then, but it really was cemented after the elevator and blah, 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 right? That that is really when she was like, yep, that's it. I'm shutting her down.
1: I mean, maybe, but let's… Be clear here. Like, Beyonce was the master of doing an interview without saying a word, even back then. Even back then,
0: but I will say, here is how this piece ends. And the quote, I think I remember some people laughing at it. Maybe even I laughed at it because I was stupid and an asshole. I don't know. I don't remember. However… Looking back now, if this was re- her, if this is how her last real interview ended, this is what she said. I now know that, yes, I am powerful. I'm more powerful than my mind can even digest and understand. That's it. <laughs> that is how the GQ 13, the, the, it's, and it's, it's pretty famous now because this is also the article that, Talks about and like allows the writer Amy Wallace into the archive. So we all know Beyonce's building a Beyonce library, or has been building a Beyonce library. And so this is in in sort of the study of Beyonce. This is one of the seminal pieces, and that is how it ends. And now five years later,
1: okay, she well, knew before we knew. Yeah, but here's as the, usual, and here's the thing about that, like. You read that with with beautiful power and emphasis and vocal resonance. Um, But tell us the name of the writer again. Amy Wallace. Amy Wallace ends the piece that way. Beyonce did not necessarily end the piece that way. You know what I mean? She may have tossed that off in conversation uh, because I think the thing about her is that I believe she believes it. I believe she said it. I'm more powerful than my mind can even understand. But I don't believe that that is how she thinks of herself. I, what I say that, what I mean is I don't believe that Beyonce is sitting around contemplating her own power because she's constantly regenerating. I don't know if she's capable of like negative self-talk. I don't know if that's a thing. But you know that she is saying to herself constantly, what next? Do it again. Do something better. Pick it up a notch. Let's go.
0: Oh, she's saying it right now. I mean, like, I bet you uh, to go back to the boots and the outfit, those are not going to fucking move next Saturday.
1: I did not have that much of an issue with the, with the boots.
0: I, I, she, at one point they have fall they fall down. And then they, they're back up. It bothered her enough that at some point, again, she knew when the camera would be off her because I have tried to find the, the spot where she pulls them back up. Of course, she pulls them back up when the camera's not on her. Obviously. Ugh, obviously. Um, but given the amount that she was futzing with that top, that
1: top is getting some fix. Oh, yeah. The top is a problem. The thing is, you love to talk about the archive, about the Beyonce archive, and… As much as it's all there, I don't think she's rolling back to see what amazing things she has said. In fact, if there's a detraction from Beyonce, it's that she's not a super verbose woman who's like, she's not highly articulate off the cuff. That's not who she is. She is rehearsed, she is practiced, she shows her work. So, I never think that she's rolling back looking to see what she said and was I, you know, was I representing my own brilliance? She's looking back to see what else can I do again? What can I pick up on? What can I be better? Which begs the obvious question. <laughs> I'm just sitting here <laughs> shrugging at you in silence. I'm, like, And I'm shrugging back. You know, somebody on Twitter asked whether we thought next week's show would be the same. And I would bet your life that it won't be. It's not going to be a whole new show because that's mm-hmm. categorically impossible, but there will be some changes. There will be some things that are new to reward the faithful, to allow you to watch and pay attention. And then, then what? Like, then what? What? Now what?
0: Well, this actually, I just checked our tweets and um, Tony on Twitter tweeted at me a quote uh, from – and the last time we podcasted, we when we talked about Britney Spears, we quoted from uh, Doreen St. Felix mm-hmm. writing in The New Yorker. And uh, Doreen has written a really great piece um, about Beyonce's Beachella. And here's a quote that Tony sent to us. So I'm quoting Doreen St. Felix right now, quote, Branding this performance Bichella is not merely social media savvy. It's a recognition that excelling at her art requires overpowering the arenas that would have the power to diminish diminish her. Ooh. So Tony wrote to us quoting this quote, and she says to, to me, just like the time she made the Grammys her coronation. Right, Lainey Gossip? You called this, and it's so true. So at the Grammys, this is the Adele Grammys. This is two years ago. It was Lemonade versus 25. Adele won. And when I wrote about it the next day, I was like, she knew she was not going to win. This is why her performance that night was 10 minutes. Do you remember the the chair that went backwards? I do remember. And she made herself into a queen using their stage. It was a coronation, a self-coronation. You're not going to give me the crown. I'm just going to give it to myself. I'm
1: reclaiming my time. Exactly.
0: And so what Doreen St. Felix is saying here in a much more articulate way is what, and to answer your question, what's next She went to the Grammys and made herself a queen when they would deny her. And they keep denying her. She went to Coachella, a space that we don't have to talk about. Like, she just made history, but this is a certain space where… You want me to say
1: strummy (laughs) la-la guitar, cool. Exactly. Yeah.
0: So, I guess, if it's what's next, what are the other spaces that she can conquer?
1: I mean, uh, my worry is that if there aren't any, that you would imply that that means that her work is done. But what I love is that she will find them, is that she, you know, uh, this performance feels important to you and I because it marries all of the things that we love, which is to say not just Beyonce and fierce amounts of shocking amounts of work and devotion and uh, little-known cultural artifacts from her culture and from others. And university, like, trivia. And these are things we never thought we were going to see. We never thought we were going to see Beyonce give a nod to, you know, collegiate. I I, I can't begin to imagine. Somewhere, somebody is, is working up a Beyonce Pride and Prejudice. Uh, that sounds preposterous to us right now, but that will be the thing we didn't know we needed, or, or I don't know what. Or she is the first popular star to, like, perform on the steps of Buckingham Palace. I have no idea what it's going to look like, but, like, we are limited by our smaller imaginations. Yes. And she does not have the power to be so. And it is – I know, I know. If you're, like – Feeling as though you're listening like, all this with the Beyonce and all this with the whatever. I get it. For some people, she is not your thing. She is never going to be your thing. But I think the reason we get so effusive is because she is perhaps one of the only people we look at and admire in that world who is working up to her potential all the time. And by doing so is always stretching the ceiling of the potential. With no one else pushing her. With nobody else. No, she's not doing it for anybody else. No,
0: it's not for anybody else, but they always say it's harder to get better when there's not someone behind you. She doesn't have a peer. No, she left them long ago. That's right. And so if we go back to an athletic analogy, there's nobody else who is running beside her. No pace setter. No. So it is harder to set your own pace when nobody else is, is driving you and you can hear their footsteps. So to be that and to maintain that level of excellence when everything, all the motivation and all the ambition has to be self-generated is
1: harder than anything else. And yet it goes back to that word that you used, responsibility. Responsibility. If you are this talented, if you are given this much, or even if you were run this hard and taught to work this much, that you were able to develop your talent this much, then you have arguably a responsibility to keep bringing it to people uh, or, you know, maybe to make yourself into she's no longer performing for herself. She's performing for us. (laughs) I, I don't know, man. I don't know what it is to be that person inside her brain. That's what's most interesting to me. I, I wish, like I, there's, I wish. Yeah, but she doesn't spend her her brain. But she's not spending any time thinking about anybody else. She's not thinking about Stephen Hawking. She's not thinking about I don't know Nikola Tesla. Like she's only focused on how she can be better. (laughs) <laughs> um, what do you think Beyonce would say if I closed out the podcast with a brag? I,
0: I can't believe I'm about to say this, but I actually don't care what Beyonce would say about it because I've never heard this story before and I've been saving it for myself. So we could go on for another two hours about Beyonce, but we are going to end with this anecdote, a story that I have been waiting for. A long time
1: to hear. I mean, don't build it up that much, my God. I mean, part of the reason you haven't heard it is because I a little bit forgot. And I told Kathleen this story in passing. And she said, why is that not your Twitter bio? The story goes like this. Uh, years ago when I was working at eTalk, we had the opportunity to uh, to have several musicians interviewed on our behalf. Now, I say that it was not that we would interview them. I got to interview lots of amazing people, but this was not that. They were all going to be, I don't know, say at the Sony offices one day, and we were going to get a certain amount of time, but uh, an employee of the record company was going to ask the questions that we wrote. Okay. And uh, they were all, uh, I was covering fashion and style at the time, so I wrote all fashion and style questions. And I can't believe I've never told the story, but I made Beyonce laugh more than once. My questions made Beyonce laugh. Okay, back up the truck. Okay. Okay, so you submit these questions. Yeah, I think there were questions for uh, Mandy Moore, I know for sure, maybe Hilary Duff. I feel like there was somebody else and Beyonce. The fact that I even said those names in in a group, but the questions were somewhat tailored for… Each artist. Okay. So this is a podcast about
0: work. Right. So tell me what the work went… What was the work that went into your questions for Beyonce?
1: Well, uh, I'm so glad that you asked because uh, I have very few material regrets in my life, like literally regrets about objects. But I regret giving away my copy of Destiny's Style written by then Tina (laughs) Knowles, uh, her (laughs) mother… I literally bought myself another copy today on Amazon um, because it was this uh, really kind of surprisingly candid coffee table book about Beyonce and Kelly and uh, Michelle and the ways that Tina dressed them differently and having to hide Beyonce's waist and, you know, that kind of thing. And so I definitely read that book cover to cover several times. Uh, And again, remember, this was... I think it was 2003 or four. Crazy in Love had happened, but, like, so had Goldmember. Beyonce, to your point, was not then who Beyonce would become.
0: Yes. Okay, so how many questions were there? I think there were six. And they were taken, like, inspired by Destiny style? Uh, many.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you remember the questions? Uh, what I… I remember that… I don't remember all of the questions. I wish I could, though I can see them on the page. You know when you can see the printed page? Okay. And I can see the page where my Beyonce questions began and ended and where another artist began. Were you intending to make her laugh? I was intending to be funny generally. Yeah. uh, But I wanted the questions to be what you learn really quickly when you're doing… Uh, celebrity interviews, as you know, Mm -hmm. is that you can tell when they've been asked the questions before. So my goal is to write questions, especially because I'm not going to be there and can't deliver them. My goal is to write questions that they haven't been asked before. Okay. So which ones made her laugh? God, I want the phrasing. I remember... It it must have been a question about fashion mistakes or something. And she was giggling, trying to get through the question and explaining that what you need is a mother who will tell you when you look ridiculous. And my mom has no problem, she said. Right. And was giggling at the beginning and the end.
0: And you're watching
1: this. Not live. I got the tapes back in 2003 fashion. FedEx probably two days later. Yes. And I'm watching this. Okay.
0: So when she's laughing, you're watching Beyonce laugh at something
1: essentially that you've said. Something I wrote. Yeah. And how are you feeling? Oh, I felt delighted, especially because uh, without naming any names, there were some people who didn't maybe get the questions Mm -hmm. and that they were delivered the same way by the record rep. Thank you, record rep. Um each time. so I know it was in the uh, receiver, yeah. not the not the Asker. Uh, and she was she was also laughing at what else was she laughing at? She was laughing at like the idea of uh, I think it was the idea of like left to her own devices. Could she put anything together? and she was kind of making fun of herself. Um, you know, the the I could find that tape today somewhere. if oh, I could, I'm going into the library tomorrow. If I could find a machine to play it on. Uh, and and go back and kind of live that moment again. But yeah, in retrospect, I, I have that to carry with me. I made Beyonce laugh. I'm jealous. Like
0: there, there are a few things that you have done that I, I'm jealous of, and that has just like sprung to the top. Yeah, yeah. I'll take that. And, and Kathleen's right. That is, should be your Twitter bio and like every introduction you make of yourself and any time you are going to see for a job. I am Duanna Taha, and I made Beyonce laugh.
1: I'm going to adjust you You're my hired. T- <laughs> You're right. How could anybody say no? Uh, I'm going to adjust my Twitter bio uh, for the show notes tomorrow mm-hmm. uh, so that you can all see uh, that it happened. Uh, and if you want to get that tape, uh, you know, online for my birthday, I'll take that too. I'm going to find it.
0: I'm going to go to the library tomorrow. Um, again, we could be here for another two hours.
1: Let us know what we missed. Let us know what you loved. Uh, All the things that we can talk about on separate occasions and all the ways that you felt like your destiny's child joy was being brought back. Uh, We want to know all of it. We want to know. We want to know your favorite
0: Beyonce memories, your favorite moments and your takeaways from Beachella. Beyonce will make an appearance on show your work again. (laughs) Don't worry. I'm sure.
1: Whenever she's ready. And if you are the unicorn who listens to show your work and was there, speak the fuck up. We would love to hear your stories, every single word. Please, God, tell us. Until next time, be inspired by Beyonce.
0: (laughs) We may not be able to match her, but we can keep working just as hard. Leave us your comments on Google Play. Spotify, iTunes. We'll be back next week. Middle fingers up. (laughs) Bye.